Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Team of your word, we know that it's not just about the seed, which is so good, <laughs> but it's about the soil that it's planted in. And if the soil is corrupt, then it doesn't give proper place to the seed. And Lord, we pray that the seed of the word of God as it's planted into our hearts today would grow up and become all that you want it to be in Jesus' name. And we all said amen today. Amen. You know, I want to talk to you today on, we're on teaching four of, been talking for about, is that you, God, hearing from God. I believe it's one of the most important subjects that we could ever go over is how to hear from God. You know, God knows everything. God can do everything. God can be everywhere. God knows everything about every, everything. And if we can just be in contact, if we just have that contact, if we just have God speaking to us and directing us and leading us, it's the most important contact that we have in our lives. But so many people don't know how to hear from God. In fact, so many people don't believe that God still speaks. They believe, you have a, they believe in a personal relationship with God, but for some reason they think that this person they're in personal relationship with doesn't speak anymore. He stopped speaking in the Bible and he just handed us a book and said, hey, if you want to hear from me, read my letters. Well, that's true, uh, that these are the words of God to us, and it's the primary words, but God still leads us and guides us and direct us, directs us. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep... Say it with me, my sheep, hear my voice, and he said, and I lead them. So it's not only to hear him, and we say, I heard God this morning, yeah, but do we follow through? Do we follow what he's saying? And really, <laughs> be not hearers of the word, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. If we really say, what is it all about? It's about the application. It's about the follow through. It's about the doing, the will of the Lord. And I want to talk with you for a few minutes about keeping a clean heart, keeping a clean heart. You know, if you look at it, uh, things in life like, like, say, electronics, you know, sometimes uh, if you have an electronic device and it has batteries in it and you say it stopped working, well, you don't just throw it away. <laughs> Maybe somebody does, but you usually will open it up and check it out. And, and sometimes you'll look in the battery compartment and you'll look and you'll see corrosion. Uh, and, and you take the corrosion and you put some acid or you scrape it off with something and, uh, and, and, and you get all that corrosion off and then you put in fresh batteries and what happens? It works again. Well, what did you do? You just cleaned the contacts. And because you cleaned the contacts, the resources, the energy could go through it again and it would work again. You see the same thing, you know, with, with glasses. When I turn, uh, I used to tease my brother uh, because we would be sitting in meetings and he would have glasses on and I would say, oh, you have to wear glasses, huh? <laughs> but I remember when I turned probably about 42 years old, I'd look and I'd say, man, these spreadsheets that we're looking at are way too small. What is the printer getting? What, what's going on? Well, I realized it wasn't the printer, it was my eyes. So I started wearing reading glasses, okay? Putting on these reading glasses. And, uh, but you know, sometimes reading glasses can get dirty, and when they get dirty and they get cloudy, it's not the glasses that don't work. It's, the, it's they're not clean. So you don't get a, a clean view of it. And um, in life, uh, we also, radio. <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but radio. I know the radios. Did you guys know there's still radios in cars and they still have radios? Yeah. But when you'd go to tune in the radio station, right, you'd hear it and sometimes it would go... <laughs> 
scratchy and you hear a voice coming through, right? What would you have to do? You'd have to dial it in, right, in order to have clarity. Do you know the same thing happens with our hearts? That in our hearts, we want to hear God, and it's not that God's not speaking, but it's sometimes the contacts need to be clean and stay clean in our hearts. And so I want you to um, open up to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, you know, a guilty conscience. If you have a guilty conscience, if you have a, a conscience that's cluttered, your heart, your spirit, then it's hard to get contact and hear from the Lord. God communicates to you through your spirit. It says in Romans chapter 8 that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then in verse 16, out of Romans 8, it says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The way he communicates is our, to our spirit, spirit by spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit because God is spirit, so you must worship in spirit. He speaks in spirit. He talks in spirit. God does not talk to your brain. God does not talk to your body. God talks to your spirit. He's a spirit. You're a spirit. You were born of his spirit, and he communicates to your spirit. But if your spirit is cloudy, right, it, just like the airwaves, if they're cloudy, then all you're going to hear is... <sighs> so we're going we're to... I want to read to you in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This was the same John that wrote the book of John, and he also wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude and Revelation, right before the end of the New Testament. And uh, it says here, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. Would you look in your screens and would you read this together? It says, for if our heart condemns us, say it again, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I want you to notice, he says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. If our heart condemns us. Do you know, he says, if your spirit condemns you, if your heart condemns you, do you know the Holy Spirit will not condemn you? I know some just look up and said, no, no, show, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. It's your heart that condemns you. It's your spirit. See, God put a spirit inside of you, and he's checking you. He's putting you in check. You know how people just say you have a good friend, and they're telling you something, and they're like, hey, man, you know, you didn't say that right. And you're like, what? And they're like, I'm just keeping you in check. Just keeping you in check. That's what's your spirit. Your spirit is keeping you in check. But the Holy Spirit is not the one who condemns you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, it says, who is he that condemns? It's God who justifies See, the Holy Spirit is cheering you on. He's justifying you. Uh, in, in the only, do you know the only sin, the only sin that the Holy Spirit will convict is one sin. It shows in the Bible. There's only one sin. And that's the sin of someone not knowing Jesus. It's one sin. It says in John chapter 16, verse 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said it. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him, who's him? The Holy Spirit. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, listen, he will, and it says he'll do three things. He'll convict the world of sin. Notice it didn't say of sins. It says of sin. He'll, he'll convict the world of one sin, of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he clarifies, of sin because they do not believe me. There's only one sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of, and that's the sin of not knowing Jesus. But your heart will condemn you. And the Bible says here in 1 John, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Okay? So just stick with me here. Just stick with me here. Because I know some of you might have thought, now wait a minute, does it say that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. Uh, what I, what, it's not in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is going to uh, uh, condemn you ever, ever. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 16, I'll read it out of the Amplified. I love this. It says, and I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another comforter. Can you say the word comforter? Aren't you glad that he sent someone who's a comforter and not a judger and not a, uh, an accuser and not a put down? So when you start hearing accusations and condemnation, you know that's not the Lord. Now, it could be your spirit keeping you in check because God put your spirit in there to do that. But he says, I'll give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, that he may remain with you forever. The Holy Spirit is all those things. He's cheering you on and helping you and protecting you and covering you and comforting you. But sometimes your own spirit will convict you. Sometimes your own spirit will condemn you on the inside and put you in check for things. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's to caution you against evil. It's to caution you against things sometimes you're not supposed to do or sometimes things you're not supposed to say. Sometimes things you're not supposed to be, places you're not supposed to be. And if you violate your conscience, if you violate your spirit, what happens? Well, eventually that begins to get more and more numb on the inside. It's your own spirit that keeps you in check. If you stop listening to your own spirit, you'll eventually get numb and hard of hearing. In fact, Paul told, uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. He said, through hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciousness, whose consciences are seared or catarized. They're seared, cauterized, right? What is that? Well, what is cauterized? If, if, if something starts bleeding, right, and it starts bleeding, well, if, if you got a cut on your arm and it started bleeding, what would you have to do? You have to put something on it to stop the bleeding, right? And you have to put some pressure on it to stop the bleeding. But what, what did it say? It says, uh, these people, their conscience, consciences are seared or cauterized. They stop hearing. Eventually, if you ignoring the voice of your spirit, eventually... It, your, the voice of your spirit will stop speaking to you. And you'll say, well, I didn't catch anything. Well, you used to. <laughs> but you stop listening, right? Just like sometimes a spouse, they say, we don't talk anymore. Why not? Because I tried all that. I tried. That just doesn't work. They don't listen. Why would I, why would I keep talking? Well, <laughs> or someone says, don't they know I'm not listening? Why are they still talking? You know, hear all kind of stuff with marriages. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's important not to shut off the voice of the Lord. When he's speaking to you, when he's speaking to your heart. And it's important not to shut off the voice of your spirit when it's trying to give you warning on the inside. God does not want anybody to walk in condemnation. In fact, I love in the book of Romans where it says, There is therefore now no what? 
condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know condemnation will limit you? Condemnation will hurt your faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't receive anything from the Lord, according to James 1. Faith will limit your gra- the grace of God on your life. And, 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 and not having a clean conscience will affect your faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, every time we come into the presence of the Lord, we should come into the presence of the Lord with, with, without any guilt any condemnation. We should come in freely, just like, uh, you know, I have a little seven-year-old, Zoe, and I'll tell you, I'll be in the middle of work. I'll be in the middle of an appointment. I'll be in the middle of talking to someone, and we're right in the middle of something big, and she just opens up the door and walks right in. Hey, Daddy! And you know what I do? I look over, and I'm like, come here. (laughs) Why? Because I'm her dad. And afterwards, I'll say, no, baby, sometimes we're in the middle of something that's very important. Sometimes you need to knock. Oh, okay, Dad. But then the next time, she'll just knock and then walk right in and come jump right on my lap. I knocked. I knocked. No, no, no. You have to knock and wait. <laughs> you know, she didn't get that yet. But I'll tell you, I'd rather her be that way, right? I'd rather her be the. Do you know that's the way the Lord wants us to come into his presence? He wants us just to walk right in. The Lord's not looking at you and backing you off and saying, do you know what you did this week? Your spirit might be. Your spirit might have put you in check, but that's why it says, if your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. You come back and say, by the blood of Jesus, I'm washed, I'm purified, I'm clean. I enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. And you walk in and, Lord, forgive me of that. I I, I ask you to, to, to cleanse me from every sin by the blood of Jesus. On the inside. Somebody say amen today. Let us draw near with a true heart, he says in Hebrews 10. Full assurance of faith. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Paul the apostle said, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Look at those words. I always try to maintain. Not just, well, I have a clear conscience right now because I'm in church. Or I have a clear conscience right now because I'm making a big decision. No, he said, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and before people. Do you know in order to do that, sometimes you have to apologize? Do you know that? Do you know, do you know I, I've had to, I have to apologize to my, my little kids sometimes. Right? I, I talked harshly or I said something I shouldn't have said. You know, I walk up and say, hey, uh, can I tell you something? I shouldn't have, my tone wasn't right. Oh, Dad, you're okay. All right, but my conscience, my spirit can be, see, it's not about just me and them. It's not, are you okay? So then I'm okay. No, they could be okay, but I'm still not okay. Why? Because it's not about all all the time. Of course, I want to make sure they're okay, but I need to make sure my conscience is okay. There's times, many times, I've walked away from conversations over the years. Had to walk away. And I realized that I, I just gave a slight exaggeration. You know, I rounded up. Like maybe there was, and I know, and this may not seem a big deal, maybe there was 97 people that came. And I said, yeah, there was, a, there, was, there was 100. But I walked away and something in my conscience said that wasn't accurate. I said, I rounded up. What's the big deal? 
And then I walked, I walked on. Eh, wasn't, wasn't a big deal. But my spirit wouldn't let me get away with it. You know what I did? I had to text back, hey, by the way, uh, it was 97. It wasn't, about, it wasn't 100. I know that may seem like little, a little thing. But it's a bit, sometimes you, you, you've spoken and you just have a little edge. Anybody ever had that before? You have a little edge. Right? And you knew it wasn't right. And your spirit, your spirit caught you. And your spirit said you had a little edge with that person. Serving the Lord must not, uh, must not quarrel but be gentle. Right? You weren't supposed to, that wasn't the right. So I've had to call back. Hey. Man, Mark knows. I've called Mark because Mark, <laughs> ask the people that work closest with me, right? I've had to call Mark. Hey, Mark, have I, have, multiple times, huh? Hey, Mark, <laughs> this may sound stupid to you, but I had an edge in that conversation. And I'm not even going to say why because I could sit here and make excuses, but you don't care about that. I shouldn't have had it. Mark, I love you. I appreciate you. No reason for the edge. You know what I'm doing? I'm just keeping a clean conscience. Conscious. You know, clean contacts allows you to hear from the Lord. Clean contacts allows, allows the voice of the Lord to be, and not only to hear, but to discern whether it's the Lord or not. Because remember, in your heart, there's two people. There's your spirit and there's your soul. There's your, there's your in the, the Greek words are pneuma, there's your pneuma and your psyche, right? The, the, where you get the word psychology, the, how you process things and hebrews chapter 4 says the word of god divides those two so sometimes you think you heard from god but it was something that it was the voice of reason that you you reasoned things but it really wasn't the lord on things so on the inside i'm talking about not only hearing but discerning the voice of the lord paul said i always try to maintain a clear conscience before god first timothy 1 5 says the purpose of my instruction listen the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. <laughs> Notice, filled with love that comes from a pure heart, clean conscience, and genuine faith. Well, isn't it just about the end result? If I can, I, I can believe God and step out and go for it. And not, No, you can't run over people and believe God can't step on you can't violate love the bible says faith works by love you have to have a conscience you're by the way the fruit of your spirit the dna of your spirit the attributes of your spirit are love joy peace i thought that was the holy spirit it is but your spirit was the born again spirit that you were born of the dna that your spirit was born of is the dna of god's spirit so when he is love, that's why after you were born again, you can't do the things you used to do without something checking you on the inside. Why? Because you were born of his spirit. And now your heart convicts you of things that you did, weren't convicted of before. Always try to maintain. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Do you know violating your conscience will affect your faith? Listen, violating your conscience will affect your faith. It will stop you. It'll cause you not to be able to move forward in some things with God if you violate your conscience. Uh, right there, the same place where Timothy, 
1 Timothy 1.5. If you go down to verse 19, 1 Timothy 1.19, he says, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Notice, their faith was on course, but their conscience wasn't. Because the conscience is like, the ship is like the thrust of moving forward. The conscience is the director and the one who's calibrated to get you. And if you violate your, if you take out your navigational system, you took out the faith. See, your, your conscience, having a clear conscience, we're talking about spirit. Your, your conscience, when you're born again, is the voice of your spirit. It's, it's on the inside. It's something that you just think, well, it's just a, he has a, you know, I have a, uh, what is that, intuition? Some people say intuition, conscience. It's on the inside. It's connected with God. God lives inside, and he's checking you. On Am I speaking to anybody today? He's checking you on some things, checking me on some things. So violating your conscience affects your faith. Now, I want to tell you about this story of King David. You all know it, but it was today's reading. Actually, I got up early this morning. I didn't plan on putting this in, but I just want to sum summize this because I think it had to do with the song we just sang. This is what David said, and uh, uh, this is a story of King David, the bad story of King David. You know, a lot of King David stories were good, but this was the bad one, okay? Sorry, David, in heaven. Okay, um, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, late one afternoon, David was taking a midday rest. He got out of his bed, and he was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed this woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find her and to see out who she was, and it says her name is Bathsheba. I think that's funny. You know, she was taking a bath, and her name was Bathsheba. Anyway, okay. Bathsheba, the, but notice this, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. Now, when, he, when they told him that, what should have his heart just immediately said, oh, she's the wife of? Huh. All right, we're good. <laughs> I'm going to go back inside and go back to sleep, right? Go back inside and get back to work. But what did he do? It says, she's the wife of Uriah. So David sent messengers to get her, and when he came to the palace, he slept with her. See, sometimes your spirit will, your heart will just know that's the wrong thing. Don't go down that road. Don't go do that. And especially when people will have authority, they think, well, I have authority. I'm the king. See, if you cross lines before you're the leader, you'll cross some of those same lines, bigger lines, when, when you are the leader. It didn't start, this thing didn't start right there. It never does. But what did David say? Oh, I'm the king. Can you go get her? Bring her to me. And he slept with her. And then here's what happens in verse 5. It says, later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she came to David and she said, I'm pregnant. Then David, notice what he did. He didn't say, what? What's going on? Oh, Lord, forgive me. See, he had an opportunity right there again. His Something inside of him had to make him aware. What do I do now? Listen to what he did. Right away, David sent a, a word to Joab and said, send me Uriah the Hittite, her husband. He knew right who, who it was. So Joab sent him to David, and when Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. And then he told Uriah, go home and relax. 
David even sent a gift to Uriah. Sent him some chocolates. Sent him some, maybe, maybe a case of wine. Sent him, I don't know. He sent him something just to make him relax. Be with his wife. And see how he's getting along. He says, uh, when Uriah arrived, David, David um, asked him how Joab and the armies were getting along and how the war was progressing. And then he told Uriah, go home and relax. And David even sent a gift after he left the palace. But Uriah did not go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace. How many times do we see so far that something should have put him in check? At least a couple times right there. So right after that, what happened? Well, in verse 10, I call this section, get him drunk. In this section, David said, okay, you know, he's a leader. He's used to solving problems. He's used to getting results done. He's used to, I can figure this one out. I can figure this one out. Verse 10, it says, when David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he didn't repent there. He summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night? Uriah said, the ark of the armies of the Israel and Judah are living in the tents, and Joab, my master's men, are camping out in the open fields. How could I go home and wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. And, and David says, instead of David stopping and saying, okay, let me, let me just be straight with you. Let me tell you what happened. No, he's a leader. He's going to solve this problem. Well, stay here today, David said, and tomorrow you'll return to the armies. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. And then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. Was that intentional? Yeah. This, see, this wasn't just something that David accidentally slept with Bathsheba. This was he had multiple times where he could have stopped and not violated his spirit, his conscience on the inside. Stay here today. He went and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to be with his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance in the king's palace. This section I call kill him. Look in verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, who's the commander of the armies, and he said, give Uriah, he said, give this, uh, and gave it to Uriah to deliver. <laughs> he says, I'm going to kill Uriah. Hey, Uriah, can you hand this letter over to Joab? He, and, and Joab reads the letter, and it's like, put Uriah on the front lines. He delivers the actual letter. I mean, that's cold. David, who had a tender heart before God, how far did his conscience have to be seared and cauterized to go to all this extent to cover all this stuff up? So what happened? He goes and delivers this. Station Uriah at the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull him back so that he'll be killed. <laughs> well, what happens? We see in verse 22. So the messengers went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. Of course, Uriah was killed. And he says this, this is the report back to David. These are opportunities where David could have stopped things. And it says, the messenger says, the enemy came out against us in the open fields. And he says, as we chased them back to the city, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. And some of the king's men were killed, including, because Joab told him to make sure to say this, including Uriah the Hittite. David, all of a sudden, this is his response. Instead of saying, oh, I killed Uriah. Here's what David said, well... Tell Joab not to be discouraged. The sword devours this one today and one tomorrow. Fight harder the next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned him. Listen to this. And when the period of, period of mourning was over, David sent for her, 
brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. See, that desire caused him to ignore his heart. The desire caused him to overlook the God that he heard from all the time. He wrote these inspired songs. He wrote all this inspired books, but yet he couldn't hear. Do you think he was hearing from God? Something in his heart was stopped up. It says, then she gave birth to a son. Listen, listen. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. See, David actually, he kind of got out. It's like the end of the movie, and we go, he got away with it. He got away with it. But it ends by saying, but the Lord was displeased. See, sometimes as leaders, we think that if we neutralize the consequences, and it all works out in the end that everything's okay. If no one caught us in the act, and I guess at the end of the story, it's all okay. There's only one problem with that. God is not only interested, nor is God impressed with the outcomes. God cares about the process. God cares about the heart. God cares about the vessel that he works through and speaks through. God cares about how you got there. You may get there, but you can get there and displease the Lord. You can get the results you want. If you're a leader, you can make the outcomes look right. But at the end of the day, the outcomes could come out the way you wanted them. And God, something on the inside, you know God was displeased with the process. Man looks at the end results, but God looks at the processes behind them. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Then we see Nathan's rebuke. I'll read these couple more verses in Nathan's rebuke. He comes to David. Nathan's a prophet, the one that hears from God. Comes to David and he shares this story about a rich man that had all these sheep and all this and he needed to sacrifice or he needed to, uh, to, to, to serve food. So he looked over at this poor man and he had one little sheep. Grabs this one little sheep and he, he says, I'm not going to kill my own. I'm going to kill this one. David looks at him and David was furious. And David said, that man deserves to die. <laughs> And then we read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. This was in today's reading. Nathan said to David, you're the man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from power, from the power of Saul. Hey, by the way, let me stop and say this. Do you know David could catch what God was saying if his heart was tender? But eventually, if you don't catch it, he'll send a leader or someone else to help you catch it. And he sent Nathan to tell him. And even in the story, he said, that man's bad, kill the man. He deserves to die. Look at this. It says, Nathan told him, you're the man. And he says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and, and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been, this, this, spirit, this, this passage always gets me right here, these words. If that hadn't been enough, I would have given you much more. The things that you gain through violating your conscience, the things that you gain through dishonesty, dishonesty, shortcuts, cutting through the, 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 the process of what the Lord wants you to go through, those things that you cut through, God would have given you those things if you'd have just asked him. That's what he says. I would have given you much more. 
Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? Well, we come to this in verse, uh, the Psalm chapter 51, which we also read this morning. Psalm 51 verse 6. Here's what David comes and in his prayer, I'm just going to read these three verses out of his prayer. Listen what David said. Behold, he says, you desire truth in the inward parts. Can you say that with me? You desire truth in the inward parts. In fact, just take your hand and just put it over your heart right now and say, Lord, you desire truth. God's not impressed with results. God's not impressed with how you solve the problem. You got it done. Oh, now is God's going to need me. God doesn't need you. You know what he needs? He needs a pure heart. Say it. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. Listen, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Then he says in verse 10, create in me. Come on, pray it with me. Just let's pray what David prayed. Put, it, put your hand over your heart and say, create in me a pure heart, God. Look at the screens and say this together. Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. Do not send me away from you or take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me back the joy. <laughs> See, that's what leaves when you violate your spirit is joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes people wonder why they lack energy. Because they don't have joy. And you don't have joy because you don't have presence. And you don't have presence because you've denied the Lord. Yeah, you're going to heaven. But here you feel like you're going through hell. And we don't need to. He says, do not send me away or take your Holy Spirit from me. Give me back the joy of my salvation me strong by giving me a willing spirit. Maintaining a tender heart keeps you in a place to hear God. Church, maintaining a tender heart before the Lord, one that just hears the whispers of God. Not violating your own conscience. When something comes up, just being so quick to repent. The best thing I know to do, like, like I mentioned earlier, is bring it out verbally. I'll be in the middle of a conversation if I said something and I didn't say it accurately because I wanted to make it sound better. You know what I'll do? I'll stop and I'll say, hey, I didn't say that right. This is, this is the truth. Well, you're risking someone thinking you're not telling the truth. I don't care about that. I have to sleep with myself. I have to live with myself. When I talk to God, he talks to me through my heart. And if my heart's not in line, that's what I can't live with. The biggest check that I have is not leaders and people around keeping me accountable. Would you hold me accountable? Would you hold me accountable? Would you hold me? Why don't you let your spirit hold you accountable? I can't hold you. I can't hold you accountable for things that you violate your spirit in. Your spirit's the first one that's supposed to hold you accountable. And I can hold your spirit accountable. Starts with little things, exaggerating. You, you open a car door, bam. Put a nick in the car door. You look over and you, then you look around and see if anybody saw. I'm good. Then you go, I got away with that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Why? 
Because your heart brought it back up. That's why you thought about it the rest of the day. Have you ever done that? Yeah, you, yeah, you can put a note on the car. Go find the person and say, hey, I don't know what. Stupid. Open the door. Well, well, I don't have the money. Yeah, but, but you keep. It may cost you some money, but listen, it can't risk your spirit, which risks your faith, which risks what everything else relies on. Crossing lines, going overboard, and you know in your heart, go correct it quickly. Go fix it quickly. Why? Because there's nothing more important in your life than keeping your heart clean and open and free to hear the voice of the Lord. First John 3.21, we read it at the beginning. Beloved, if our heart condemns us, we have confidence toward God. We have confidence toward God. Would you just bow your heads and let's bring our hearts before the Lord right now. Ask him to purify our hearts. Come on, open up your hands. Open up your hearts right now. Just say, Lord, would you purify my heart? Lord, would you clean my heart? Anything that comes to my heart today, would you forgive me for? I know you're not condemning me. I know you're not beating me up. I know you're trying to encourage me. Even this morning with this word, you're not trying to beat me up. You're trying to encourage me. You're trying to get me to where you want me to be. Because, Lord, it's not just about this particular thing that I solved. It's about the long-term results of walking with God hearing from God on a regular basis. And if you don't know Jesus, he died for your sins. He was raised again on the third day. He said if you'd confess him as Lord, believe in your heart, that you'd be saved. Would you right now just open your heart and say this to the Lord? Lord, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I thank you for salvation today. Thank you for new life in Christ today. Thank you, Jesus. We love you today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.